Here's another listener. Essay. Essay. This is Infants on Thrones. Listener Essay. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is essay number four in our May 2018 Listener Essay Contest. Now, today's essay is by Brock and is titled, Russia Made Me Do It. Now, remember that you, as the listener, are able to vote for and provide private feedback to as many of these essays and authors as you'd like, but you can only vote one time for each essay. Now, voting will take place throughout the month of May and will end around midnight on May 31st. The top three winners will be announced in early June. First place wins $200, second place wins $100, and third place wins $50. And this is all determined by you, the listeners. So simply go to the website, infantsonthrones.com, find the essay or the essays that you want to vote for, click on the link, cast your vote, and provide some feedback to the author. And for those of you who still want to submit an essay for this May contest, there's still a bit of time. Now, if it comes in too late, it's not that big of a deal. It'll just roll over into the next contest that we do, probably in August, if there are enough submissions. Now, July will probably be a songwriting contest. I've received already some excellent submissions from listeners, like this song. And this one. And this one? Oh, brother Joe, you're forever the devil's scarecrow. Oh, do what you say, not what you do. So, yeah, it looks like a songwriting contest is going to happen. Email me at infantsonthrones at gmail.com to find out more about the songwriting competition. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves because that's then. And this is now, and now is all about today's essay from Brock, titled, Russia Made Me Do It. So take it away, Brock. Our household has been hooked on a TV show called The Americans. It follows the story of two KGB agents who are posing as a married couple in 1980s Washington, D.C. They are masterful deceivers taking on fake identities and fun disguises. And they're so good at it that no one knows who they really are. Not their neighbors, not even their real American-born children. Sound good? Go ahead. Start binge-watching it now. There's about 48 hours worth of it to catch up with. No, really. I'll wait. Okay, now that you're back. I should tell you that the rest of this has nothing to do with that show. Well, except for one tiny thing. Russia. Watching this TV show about Russians reminded me of my own search for truth on a summer's night in 2014. The Human Rights Campaign, a fairly mainstream LGBTQ advocacy group, wrote a report titled Exposed the World Congress of Families, an American organization exporting hate. Now by this time, my ears were always perked up for news about gay rights, especially when my church got involved. 
By then, I already knew that I was never going to agree with my church's teaching that gay love is a sin, but mostly, I just shrugged it off and continued being a Mormon. So I read the report from the Human Rights Campaign. It was... shocking. Here is the executive summary. The World Congress of Families, WCF, is one of the most influential American organizations in the export of hate. Since 1997, WCF has held conferences and events around the world that foster homophobia and transphobia under the guise of protecting the natural family. It is connected to some mainstream conservative organizations and to the very highest levels of government in the countries where it operates. Thanks to WCF's connections, its rhetoric, and its willingness to associate and encourage radically homophobic and transphobic activists, the group has had an outsized influence on anti-LGBT lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender sentiment, and legislation in many places. This report explores WCF's influence in more depth, focusing on Russia, where the organization has its genesis, as well as Eastern Europe, Australia, and Africa. So, wait a minute. Why would this group of Americans meet with world leaders? What kind of goals would they share in common? What I learned should have been obvious. While we have a long ways to go in America, the experience of being LGBTQ in some countries can be far more dangerous. For instance, in Russia, just the year before, there'd been a wave of anti-gay violence and sentiment riding high on a law that had just passed, which made pro-gay propaganda, so-called, illegal. This law was used to justify, legally, some of this violence. Keep in mind, this isn't a long time ago. This is only 2013. The folks who lobbied for this law were the type that you'd see hanging around the World Congress of Families at their events, especially the ones held in Russia and Eastern Europe. Now, WCF also had associations with anti-gay activism in Africa. Theresa Okafor, a frequent speaker at their annual conferences, lobbied for jail sentences for homosexuality in her home country, Nigeria, and also in Uganda. Her aims make the anti-gay laws of Russia seem tame. Listen to her describe the bill that she helped get passed in Uganda. What is that? In the, the bill, finally when the bill was passed, the government went beyond just defining marriage. The government actually said that if you conceive of the idea, if you conceive the idea, you, are enter- you go to jail. You go to jail. If you enter into homosexual activism or you plan a gay panel, you'd go to jail. You'd spend, in fact, the government spe- spe- stipulates three to 12 years imprisonment. Yeah. And that, for me, was a deterrent. So, what does WCF have to do with this? Theresa herself describes it like this. They said one of the big things that helped was actually the Royal Congress of Family uh, conference that came in. That was what paved the way for things to finally start moving. I mean, yes, I mean, because, you know, when you are out there in Nigeria, you never know what is going on. The good thing about associating with such entities is that you get to know what is happening out there. So thanks to them, we were able to spring into action and get our government to be more discerning and to act in favor of protection for marriage and family. The Human Rights Campaign report also talks about the large part that, yes, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints plays in this group. Here's what it says. The Howard Center, which houses WCF, 
has an annual budget of around $500,000. Less than $200,000 of that is earmarked for WCF. This means that WCF relies on outside funders to help organize and pay for its conferences. These funders include American conservative and Christian organizations and Russian oligarchs. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was a major sponsor of the 1999 World Congress and maintains close ties to the organization, including the presence of high-ranking church elder Dallin Oaks as an honorary member of the Howard Center's board. Wait, what? That sounded pretty devastating. I began to wonder how fair this report was being to the church, which kind of already had a target painted on his back for its involvement in Prop 8. So I wanted to make sure that the Human Rights Campaign's report was being fair. I looked it up for myself, cross-checking in WCF's and the LDS Church's own websites. What I learned was, yep, the church and WCF are bros. Aside from Dallin Oaks being a board member, a number of Mormon leaders have spoken at their conferences. Search for World Congress of Families on LDS.org to get a rich sense of their uh, shared mutual respect. Now, I was used to being disappointed with my church's public policy battles with gay marriage, but this report brought me a horrifying new realization. My church contributes to a hate group that makes the world a more dangerous place to be LGBTQ. I pay tithing. 10% of my income to this organization every month, and I don't know where it goes. So what I put together was, I am being irresponsible. That was the day I stopped paying tithing. It was my first disqualifier for a temple recommend. So I thought, what the gee heck? I'm going to live my life by my rules. Yeah. I want to say that that was the day that I stopped going to church every week. But it wasn't. It took another catalyst for that to happen. But that's a story perhaps for another time. So there you go. Thank you very much, Brock, for your essay. Now, if you as our listener want to go and vote for this essay, go to our website, find this episode, click on the voting link, and leave your feedback. And if you haven't already joined us on Patreon, please consider signing up and supporting Infants on Thrones for as little as $1 per episode, capped at whatever budget you want to give yourself for the month. Your generosity helps keep this podcast alive and growing. So thank you. And tune in tomorrow for another listener essay. Hi, this is Sam from Wilmer, Minnesota. On weekdays, I prosecute criminals for crimes like domestic abuse, production of methamphetamine, and sexual assault. On Sundays, I learn about the things that are truly evil in this world, like gay people getting married, consumption of coffee, and bare shoulders. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, you can give the Korma a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones. Well, the